Jacob Kornblue is with us live via telephone, Jewish Insider. Those of you who don't get the uh, Jewish Insider email each day will tell you how to, in fact, secure that for yourself to receive that in your uh, inbox. Uh, Jacob Kornblue on Twitter, at Jacob Kornblue, K-O-R-N-B-L-U-H. He is one of the most effective and respected reporters um, in general and, of course, specifically in the Jewish community. Jacob Kornblue, good Monday morning. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Good to be with you, Nachum. I greatly appreciate that. So many things going on. I see you tweeted a moment ago that uh, the Israeli military is declining to comment on whether it carried out the uh, strikes against the Iranians who were in Syria on Sunday. Sound mysterious to you? Well, the, the Israeli uh, cabinet, uh, security cabinet, is convening now uh, for an unscheduled meeting. Uh, reports over the weekend said that Netanyahu... Uh, has uh, determined to strike in Syria against Iranian targets, no matter what the risk is. And this is different from previous times. Uh, In the past at least uh, 10 years uh, as prime minister, Netanyahu was was very cautious in acting against targets that are outside of Israel. Uh, Obviously, there are targets that are not discussed in the media as Israeli strikes but according to foreign reports, because the Israeli media is not allowed to discuss that. But we're talking about open rhetoric and open threats. Uh, uh, Defense Minister Avigdor Lieberman was yesterday in New York. He spoke at the Jerusalem uh, Post Conference um, at, on Times Square. And he also uh, reiterated that uh, the only threat right now is Iran, Iran, Iran. And uh, Israel is not holding back from um, striking Iranian targets in Syria because they feel they have been left alone uh, to act against Iranian presence uh, in the region. And um, Iran itself, even though um, it is dealing now with the fallout of a possible decision by the president uh, withdrawing from the Iranian nuclear deal, they understand that the pressure is on them not necessarily just on the nuclear aspect, but also on their ballistic missile program and their sponsorship of terrorism in the region. So the heat is on them, and they are trying to defer that by, uh, obviously, as they have done over the past 30 years, by threatening Israel's uh, uh, existence. So uh, there's no uh, question that it's not only the rhetoric that is heating up, but also actions from both sides. Jacob Kornblue with us. Yeah, but as you point out, it is it is rare that uh, a leader in Israel would speak the way the prime minister has uh, regarding this potential activity, let's call it, against the Iranians. Uh, do, do you think because of who occupies the White House, the, the, vice, the, the uh, prime minister might feel a little bit more comfortable to uh, actually uh, to be bolder in his public statements? I think uh, there, there's two aspects to that. One, uh, due to President uh, Trump's uh, consistent uh, stance of uh, U.S. troops withdrawing from the region, uh, Israel feels it has to act, it cannot rely on the United States to keep uh, its presence in the region, and it can rely on Russia, obviously, uh, and the international community. We've seen uh, the U.N. resolutions, how they work out while there hasn't been a war with Hezbollah since 2006, 
uh, Hezbollah uh, went from 10,000 rockets to over 100,000 rockets, and that's not only short-range rockets, those are also ballistic missiles and long-range missiles. So uh, Israel feels, on one hand, while it has the support of the administration, Netanyahu spoke yesterday on the phone with Trump. That's also rare, because usually the phone calls between uh, the two leaders are not necessarily uh, uh, um, announced in the media right after they take place. Usually it gets leaked uh, by one of the sides a few days later, and this was an immediate uh, readout uh, uh, was blasted out to the media by the White House. So mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot going on, and uh, the fact that uh, Trump is still, at this moment, obviously, he hasn't declared otherwise, uh, is determined to withdraw from the region. Uh, this gives Israel a, a little a free hand to act against Iran, but it also has to do with Netanyahu's legal problem. Uh, we all know that Netanyahu is not certain that he'll fill out his uh, term. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, his goal at the moment is to surpass July 2019 in becoming uh, Israel's longest-serving prime minister in the history of the Jewish state. Uh, he needs a legacy. He hasn't uh, 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 at least uh, compared to Prime Minister Sharon, uh, who had the disengagement, the infamous disengagement of Gaza, uh, Prime Minister Olmert, as it has been widely reported last month, uh, ha- attacked the Syrian nuclear reactor in 2007, Prime Minister Rabin had the Oslo Accords, uh, you know. So uh, Netanyahu needs a legacy. His legacy is he feels that he's on a mission to stop Iranian aggression, but also to stop Iran uh, threatening Israel's existence. And he feels that this is the moment that has come, that Iran has established itself in the region as an open and direct threat against Israel, that Israel cannot withhold and try to defer it to a certain uh, nuclear aspect of it, which is if Iran reaches the point of no return on its nuclear program, Israel will have to act or uh, request the United States to act. It feels that it cannot uh, let Iran establish a presence in the region, and Netanyahu feels even though uh, there might be an indictment in the coming month, uh, if there is a conflict in the region, and he's definitely the most experienced uh, in the job, and there's no alternative as of now in the Israeli political uh, spectrum uh, to Netanyahu when it comes to uh, uh, security issues, he feels that he at least can leave the mark on that. Very interesting. Sort of, sort of the way he behaves before each election, when you think about it, when he makes sure to remind the public that he's their best hope when it comes to the security of Israel. Definitely. Jacob Kornblu is with us, Jewish Insider. Go to jewishinsider.com. You'll see there's something on the top that says digest sign up. That's the daily morning email that I was referring to earlier. Everyone out there should make sure to get it. JewishInsider.com has the information. Uh, now, you I believe it was you, I believe it was you, uh, who first uh, publicly uh, broke the story 
or reported the fact that the president of the United States was not planning on being in Israel May the 14th for the embassy move. That being the case, what was your reaction over the weekend, specifically yesterday, uh, when the rumors started that he, in fact, is seriously considering being there on May the 14th? So, one, uh, this president is unpredictable, and he can change his mind whenever he decides to, right. uh, with the push of a button. Now, having said that, I've covered uh, Trump um, since uh, um, he won this election, and this I may and will see is very common for him. Uh, when you ask him about uh, the nuclear deal, when you ask him about North Korea, when you ask him about any subject, it's always, we'll see what happens, I may do it, I may not do it. So his answer on Friday indicated that he might be teasing us. He's not determined to give us a clear answer on that. However, uh, I've heard from certain people, and obviously been in the news as well, that uh, his base, and uh, specifically his Republican donor base, is urging him um, to take even a 24-hour trip to uh, uh, participate in the inauguration just to send a message that uh, the United States is determined to support Israel while uh, maintaining uh, a, a, a slight uh, chance of brokering a peace deal. There are reports that Trump might um, lay out his uh, long-anticipated peace plan right after the Jerusalem embassy opening just to give some hope to the Palestinians and those who support the two-state solution. That has um, remains to be seen, but uh, there's definitely uh, a, a anticipation that the president might decide in the last minute to come. As of now, there are no plans uh, of his in, uh, participation. Uh, his name didn't come up in initial planning uh, in the uh, invitation list that was given uh, by the administration to their Israeli counterparts. And so far, the King David, uh, if you still want to spend $900 a night, you can still book a room in the King David Hotel, which usually uh, when the presidents and uh, U.S. dignities come to Israel, they stay overnight there. So it still remains <laughs> to be seen. But as I've said, uh, uh, President Trump likes to tease us. He likes to keep us on the edges, but then he's still unpredictable. He could change his right. mind uh, within a split second. So that's interesting. One of the best ways to do reporting on this issue is to be in touch with the people at the front desk of the King David. And I guess at this point, there's no reservation for him uh, for that night. Um, so he shouldn't be shocked, based on what you're saying, if he in fact is there in Israel May 14th. Should we be shocked if Jonathan Pollard is in Israel on May 14th? That is also a question because, uh, obviously, Trump, based on his rhetoric uh, and based on his stance that America first, uh, it's very hard for an American president to grant uh, such parole for somebody who has been uh, accused of, of spying on the United States, especially if the president intends to come. He wouldn't want this to overshadow uh, his trip to Israel. Uh, this will be uh, widely seen as a another gift uh, in 
you know, a basket of many gifts that he's given Israel over the past year, and it will definitely overshadow uh, his, you know, nothing can overshadow Trump, but it will definitely uh, be in the headlines, and I doubt that Trump wants that to happen. Uh, having said that, if he does not, uh, if he decides um, not to participate, uh, he might give Israel uh, uh, that as a gift uh, in exchange for his participation. Well, how did this start? How did this Pollard rumor begin? Uh, the I mean, since uh, since Trump got elected, uh, the people who have been advocating for Pollard's uh, parole. Uh, have been working very hard behind the scenes. Uh, you well know that earlier this year, the president commuted the... Uh, the Rabashkin sentence. Um, right. uh, and that was a surprise. We didn't know about that because everything was done behind the scenes. I assume that the same is with Jonathan Pollard. He has expressed in public his desire to, uh, quote-unquote, return home uh, to Israel. And I am pretty certain that uh, there has been uh, ongoing discussions about that, and it might happen. Um, you know, it's, sometimes it's a trial balloon that you try to determine where the president is on that, and once he feels that the Israeli public and the American Jewish community is very supportive of it, he might decide, yeah, it's a good idea, um, let me give Israel another gift, and then I'll roll out my peace plan and see what the answer is. Hmm. Uh, Jacob Kornblue is with us, jewishinsider.com. Sign up for his daily email at that site. Um, locally, your reaction to Assemblyman Dove Heikind announcing that after close to four decades, he will no longer be after the 31st of December in the New York State Assembly. Well, I think, you know, after 36 years, um, the, every star um, decides, you know, that it might be shady. Uh, uh, um, Heikin has been very uh, vocal uh, in the past on Jewish issues, and even now he's taken on a few projects that overshadow his legislative record. Uh, his legislative record is not very uh, pretty. Uh, he's passed only one bill in 36 years. Uh, in the recent the budget discussions where Simcha Felder almost um, upheld uh, the um, or held the fiscal up. year budget uh, over uh, the issues of yeshivas, his voice was not to be heard. So uh, his clout has definitely uh, been diminished since uh, Shelley Silver left Albany. He obviously was a very good friend of Shelley Silver, and they worked together uh, on very much uh, issues that pertain to the Jewish community. But in the last few years, uh, there has been a shift in the mood uh, to hike in, in Borough Park and Midwood because of the lack of his uh, legislative achievements. Obviously, you have to add to that there was an election last year. His son ran against an established uh, candidate who was put on the Democratic line by David Greenfeld. Uh, there was an election, uh, a very... Uh, competitive election, and his son got crushed. Uh, that obviously had an impact on the heightened brand. You know, he put everything online. He went around saying, even if, you know, you don't like 
the way my son speaks, or you think he has no previous record in order to get elected, do it for me as a, uh, uh, as a you know, token of appreciation. And when uh, the votes were counted, only 37% of Bar Park residents uh, voted for his son. So that definitely had an impact on his brand. And obviously, you know, Albany needs new blood. There's a candidate uh, in the running with the name Simcha Eichelstein, who is very well liked by the community, but also by community leaders. And he felt that if there would be an election, and again, uh, that's a hypothetical because there's no election and there's no polling to prove it. But based on the previous election, if there had been a primary uh, challenge uh, in, the, in September, uh, he could have been defeated. And uh, for him, for Dover Heiken, after 36 years of being the king of politics in Bar Park, uh, you know, he didn't want to have that on his record as being defeated by a young guy in the community. So he decided that he'll step down to work on other issues. He'll still be uh, greatly appreciated and greatly uh, uh, remembered as a legislator who stood up for the Jewish community and was very vocal when it comes to Israel, to anti-Semitism, and to the Holocaust. And uh, I think people appreciate that he took the moment and he decided for his own sake, but also for the sake of the community, that is, is sometimes it's time to step down and let others lead. Yeah, no question that his leadership is uh, I mean, exemplary in the Jewish world and has been out there on the forefront in so many things, both for the local Jewish community and for the international Jewish community in Israel, and that is to be admired. Um, so you mentioned Simcha Eichenstein. A lot of people um, are uh, are thrilled, frankly, that his hat is in the ring. Do you think there'll be any other significant hats in the Democratic ring for the September primary? Well, you can never rule it out because all it takes is 500 signatures or so to collect petitions. And uh, there's always a desire to ruin the process. Uh, obviously, when it comes to institutional support and support on the street, I mean, since Simcha has announced the uh, there's uh, sort of an excitement of, of a new era. Obviously, David Greenfeld was council member for 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 eight years, uh, and he uh, decided to step down and Kalman Yeager took over. He's also perceived as somebody with new blood. Uh, to have two uh, lawmakers, uh, again, with Simcha Felder, even though he ain't a rookie, but he has... Uh, pretty much stepped up his game in Albany in recent years. He is going to be seen as a key vote uh, if the Democrats fail to win an outright majority. If it's split after the November elections, 31 seats for the Republicans, 31 seats for the Democrats. Sinkerfelder will be uh, the one who holds the balance, uh, the you know the balance of power right. in his hands. Um, I believe that the community feels that this is a new era uh, where there are so many challenges uh, on funding, on uh, our education system, uh, and so on. And the fact that a person like Simcha Eichelstein, 
who has been in Albany uh, over the past decade and has helped uh, Mayor de Blasio uh, navigate all these complex issues when it comes uh, in relationship with the Orthodox Jewish community. Um, I think that the community feels that uh, we have one of our guys who is actually uh, interested um, in the legislative aspect, not necessarily just in the politics of being out there uh, to advocate on issues as a representative of the community, but to actually achieve things uh, in coalition, in work with other legislators who have different priorities. Uh, Obviously, Simcha will be, uh, if elected, part of the Democratic uh, supermajority in Albany, but uh, with his relationships, he might achieve things that uh, the community hasn't gotten for years. Very interesting. If the president goes to Israel, do you go with him or not? Uh, It all depends on my schedule. I have to publish the daily kickoff every morning, and if that complicates my work, I'll decide to stay in New York and serve my people. You do that five days a week or six? Five days, but I work uh, six plus whenever (laughs) there's an extra hour. (laughs) Believe me that we know. Jacob Kornblum, much appreciated. Anybody out there uh, who wants the email, get it every day. We highly recommend it. Go to Jewish insider.com. Thank you, Jacob. Have a good day. Jacob Kornblue, one of the most amazing reporters out there and has a tremendous hold on so many news items, especially vis-a-vis the Jewish community. Seven minutes before nine o'clock. More coming up. It's JM in the AM.